There is a billion grams of legal pot just sitting unsold in vaults and warehouses across the country. A billion grams? Uh, Because, let's face it, the quality isn't quite there. A lot of people still have their guy. Uh, The black market continues to thrive. Cheaper prices, higher THC content. A reliable dealer who's there at the you know drop of a hat. You don't have to go to the Canada Post outlet at Shoppers to pick up your pot. That's a lot of weed. My friend uh, Mark Bonikowski from the Toronto Sun writing a column yesterday says a billion grams is a lot of weed. That's a three-year supply for a legal market that they just assumed in government would flourish, and it hasn't. And one of the suggestions Mark is making with some experts in his uh, column is you could really get that billion grams down if they uh, changed some of the regulations in the Cannabis Act and separated CBD from THC, THC, the psychoactive chemical that gets people high with pot. CBD, believe me, my own personal experience works wonders for chronic and acute pain. Anyway, to talk about this, David uh, Clement is the North American Affairs Manager for the Consumer Choice Center. Good morning, David. Good morning. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Tell me what uh, what you folks do at the Consumer Choice Center. So we are a global consumer advocacy group. Um, and so to put it in, in the, the shortest words, whenever there are instances where the government is over-regulating or inserting itself into the lives of consumers where maybe it shouldn't, um, we work to highlight those instances of over-regulation and try and push back where we can and uh, make markets more consumer friendly. Wow, the, the the Cannabis Act is right up your alley then. It certainly is. <laughs> All right, you argue as well as Mark does. Um, first explain CBD v. THC. Okay, yes. So um, CBD has a variety of medicinal and wellness uses. It can be used for pain. Um, it can be used for people who have seizures, uh, neurological disorders such as epilepsy, but on the more kind of common consumer uh, basis, it's primarily used to treat um, issues that are involving inflammation. So things like joint pain um, and general inflammation. There's a a growing market of athletes who use it post-workout as a recovery recovery beverage. And so there really are a lot of uses for CBD, but unfortunately we've treated it uh, from a regulatory standpoint, exactly the same as THC, and THC is the uh, the the substance that is what gets you high. And we make the argument that we should actually separate the two because CBD does not get you high, and that all products under a certain threshold um, of just CBD, or all all CBD products under a certain threshold of of THC should actually be removed from the Cannabis Act altogether. Okay, so you will have, uh, depending on how you're growing, uh, you will have different strains that will be higher in CBD or higher in THC, or they have those hybrid strains where it's about 50-50, right? Correct. And in the extraction process, uh, so when they turn cannabis into edibles, beverages, topicals, creams, and things like that, they can actually do so in a way that parses out the THC um, so that you just have CBD in the same way that you can brew a beer and de-alcoholize it. Right, and you got the so-called near beer, which they can sell at a convenience store. Exactly. Would you advocate for the availability of CBD product, non-prescription, non 
I mean, available at my convenience store, for instance. I think that we should regulate CBD the same way that we regulate caffeine. Um, So, yes, I do think that it should be should be available um, at your local health food store. It could be available alongside energy drinks. Um, You could still require it to be age restricted uh, if that was the desire of of um, government. Um, But in that case, then you just have it in retail outlets like convenience stores and grocery Mm -hmm. stores now who already sell age restricted goods with lottery tickets and in many cases, alcohol or tobacco. And so um, Mm -hmm. it would be quite easy to, to roll CBD products into the existing frameworks that uh, that that exist, and what we argue in terms of the the oversupply is it would allow for a lot of this excess cannabis to go through the extract process to be turned into the products that we know consumers are increasingly interested about, so things like topicals and beverages and and whatnot, and that could help alleviate the glut. It also makes an ind- it creates a legal industry that is far more competitive than um, in comparison to the illegal market. And that is really what is going to help us get over the hump of stamping out the black market is the more consumer friendly we can make the legal market, the more likely it is that people are going to switch from the illicit market to the legal market. So there are a lot of other benefits that come from a policy like this beyond Mm -hmm. just uh, easing up on the oversupply issue. Well, then, David, uh, for you and the folks at the Consumer Choice Center, you cannot be surprised that the government thought that we're going to legalize cannabis, and I'm glad they did. I've never thought I'd see it mm-hmm. in my lifetime, but that they just assumed we're doing it. It's going to be a huge success. Yeah, I think they were naive. I, again, I agree with you that I think legalization was the right move, but unfortunately, they regulated um, they re- they regulated cannabis far too strictly, and they really tied the hands of the legal industry in terms of its ability to compete with the black market, whether that be the marketing uh, and packaging rules, the way in which it's taxed, excise taxes, where you can get it in terms of point of sale and retail, depending on the province you live in. All of those things make the legal market less consumer-friendly uh, in comparison to the black market. And so... Uh, hopefully, we can get the ear again of federal legislators and advise them to make changes um, towards a more consumer-friendly market. Because at the end of the day, that means that you have a thriving industry. I think people will generally want that. But more importantly, you have a switch that occurs where people who have always bought in the black market are now interested in purchasing legal product because there are now more products that they can buy. It's branded in a way that you can properly communicate to adult consumers and let them know. You can let them know about things like sales. All of these things that I think should exist, they exist with alcohol. There's no real justification for them not to exist with cannabis. When we spoke to the uh, lobbyist a couple of weeks ago, the story was in specific about the number of pot shops that are opening in Toronto, particularly in the East End, and there's a concern. There's like literally one on every corner. Are there too many? Is it going too quickly, David? I don't think it's going too quickly. I think we should let the market play this one out. Um, I'm a huge proponent of having an uncapped um, legal market, so there should be as many um, cannabis stores as the market can bear. Uh, Again, that goes back to my other 
point of trying to stamp out the black market, the more friendly, the more available we can make this for adult consumers, the easier it is, it is going to be in the long run to stamp out the black market. So there may be influxes and dips depending on um, how the market goes uh, any given week. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, I think it's better for us to let that decision be made between consumers and businesses than having the government try and arbitrarily decide how many stores consumers need. I think the market can sort that one out for us. Well, I live in the sixth largest city in Canada, uh, David, a city of 700,000 people, Mississauga. I don't have any retail outlets whatsoever in my, where I live. And neither do I in Oakville. And I think that that is a real shame. Um, I think that it really has the remnants of prohibition when these local city councillors, who ironically all voted for federal parties who were in favor of legalization. So there's no, mm-hmm. there's no electoral justification for it in my mind. Uh, but they vote to stop their um, residents from having access to legal cannabis in a storefront. And the reason why that is really important is because every, most people are, are new to cannabis and all people were new to the legal market when it became legal. There is so much value gained from being able to go into a store and ask questions mm-hmm. as opposed to having to scroll online and basically guess um, what you want. And that's what a lot of consumers are essentially forced to do. If you don't have a store in, in your town or your city, you really are trying to make sense of what can be very complicated because it's new for most people. And so the ability to go into a store allows for you to ask someone who has expertise and knowledge and can and is selling the product in a responsible and licensed way, and they can let you know what would be best suited for whatever you're looking for and what your desires are for that. So it's also important to note that just because you don't have a legal store in Mississauga doesn't mean that people aren't buying cannabis, and it likely means that they're buying it illegally because when a jurisdiction says, oh, we're not going to have any cannabis retail stores here, that is a bright flag mm-hmm. for the black market to come up, uh, to come over and to set up shop because they know that the demand is still there and they know that there's no legal market to compete with them. So I think that these local prohibitions have been incredibly misguided. And uh, I, I hope that b- both Mississauga and Oakville and a handful of other uh, communities that did opt out um, have some sense shaken into them and, and see that this isn't about whether you like cannabis or not. It isn't really about whether you whether or not you like cannabis retail. It's whether or not you want people to buy it illegally or, or if you want people to buy it legally. And if we care about the safety of our communities, that's a no-brainer. You'd much prefer people to buy those products legally. And so it's important you give them the opportunity to. Yeah, I wonder if any Mississauga or Oakville counselors have uh, Googled uh, cannabis delivery Mississauga, cannabis delivery Oakville. The results are astounding. There are dozens of companies oh. that are going to get it to you within an hour. Yeah, exactly. And and that actually is another important point where the provincial government has has made, um, in my opinion, a big mistake is not allowing for retailers to deliver directly to the doors mm-hmm. of their consumers. Only the only the OCS mm-hmm. has the ability to do that with the the asterisks of a few exemptions. Depending if on depending if a region is under lockdown, so the, the province allowed it, and then they didn't allow it again. Our position and our argument mm-hmm. with the provincial government has has always been: you, these retailers should be able to get product to your door, 
uh, as quickly as they can. We're talking about people who are licensed to sell this product anyway, so there's no real safety concern. Um, and so it would be wise for the provincial government to ease up on that restriction uh, on top of local governments easing up on the restriction for um, retail in their in their city limits. Yeah, and quite honestly, the OCA product or the um, Ontario Cannabis OCS product is like a box of chocolates. As they say, you never know what you're going to get. <laughs> yeah, it's, I have seen some of those comments. Uh-huh. Uh, I have seen some of those comments. I, I can't say from my own experience okay. whether they're accurate or not, but um, what I can say is this is really where uh, information and awareness in a more consumer-friendly market um, helps kind of parse the winners and the losers is the more open the market is, the more accessible it is, and the more information we have in regards to product quality and desired impact and things like that, the easier it is for consumers to pick the winners and losers. And that's really the ultimate goal is consumers buying what is right for them at the right time. Um, and all of these restrictions and all of these um, kind of paternalistic rules make it harder for that to happen. And so um, if we had more competition in that space, you'd certainly see some upward, you'd see some downward pressure on prices, which is always appreciated. But then you'd also see some upward pressure on quality, um, which I think is, is, is very important, especially for people who are, who are, continual uh, consumers of cannabis in the same way that someone may be a beer drinker or a mm-hmm. wine drinker. And so uh, more competition in that in that space is, is certainly the way to go if we care about quality, if we care about price, and if we care about access. David, great conversation. I appreciate it. Have a good weekend. Stay well. Thank you very much. Same to you. That's uh, David Clement. He is a North American Affairs Manager for the Consumer Choice Center. That's it for today's podcast. Catch the morning show live weekday mornings starting at 530.